0: All right, welcome everybody to Finance Essentials with Danny Hudson. I am your wonderful host, Danny Hudson, and I know after the last show uh, I said that I was going to try to talk to you guys before a month was up. Um, but I'm I'm pretty confident that I I broke that, or at least I'm pretty close to breaking it. Maybe I got into a, a hair under a month. Um, but uh, but I'm here today. And like I mentioned on the last show, I always love the opportunity to get a chance to talk with you guys um, and learn some things and teach you guys some things and and hopefully it will be information um, that will will help better you put you in a better position uh, in your life and and uh, and we'll all be better off for it you know in the uh, <laughs> you know in in the long run. But I'm here. Uh, hopefully you guys have stuck with me. I think this is episode like forty or 45 so we're, we're doing pretty good uh, and budget season at work is is winding down and so it should give me a little bit more uh, a little bit more time to be able to to share with you guys because you know lord only knows that there's not a complete uh glut of of things to do shows like this on uh when we're talking about money and and economics and finance and and just the business environment as a whole. Um, you know, and so I just wanted to uh, to to share some of that stuff with you guys uh, today, as as we get a chance to uh, to talk. But um, a few things that have been going on that uh, that I have not got I have not gotten the chance to uh, to talk about over the last few weeks. Um, Let's go, Brandon. I don't I don't know if you guys are familiar um, with it, but it's it's hilarious. If you don't understand exactly what. The whole Let's Go Brandon thing is, um, look it up. I saw earlier today that apparently Let's Go Brandon is the top two songs on on iTunes. Um, I also saw that, I guess, in Canada, and I don't know how true this is. I mean, it, it could be made up, but I thought it was pretty funny either way, is that I guess they had a big meeting, um, and where they were going over things that were inappropriate. They put out kind of like a little presser, uh, and it said that, um, things referencing to Let's Go Brandon was not allowed, <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, So, yeah, so if you haven't looked up Let's Go Brandon yet, I, I would definitely recommend it. I, I think that it's hilarious. Um, some of the other things that's going on, um, supply chains are all screwed up. A bunch of stuff is sitting off the uh, the West Coast um, in the Pacific Ocean on container ships. And um, Magnificent Brandon administration talked about how they're going to they're gonna open up ports, you know, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, right? Because you know that's what the uh, that's what Washington D.C. thinks that they can do. They think that they are just all powerful and they can do everything. Um, but they don't get to control that, right? It, it's not up to them. They don't. They don't get to say. Uh, but then, of course, Governor DeSantis, being the uh, the anti-Brandon person that he is, and the anti-Gavin Newsom person that he is, has basically told everybody, "He's like, hey, Florida's open." Why don't you uh, just bring your own little sh- little ship over to uh, over to Florida and unload all of your stuff here? We got you, <laughs> and so so we'll see how that goes. Um, I do, however, want to do an episode um, on the whole supply chain and what's going on in California. Um, I've learned a lot of very interesting things as far as what it is that's actually causing a lot of these problems. Um, and I think it's fascinating. I think it's really awesome. So maybe I'll do maybe I'll do the next episode, uh, you know, on that, which which I think would be pretty cool. Um, some of the other things that's going on, um, the the infrastructure bill, right, that we've talked about in the past, that was like three point two trillion dollars. They're down to about one point seven five trillion now. Uh, they have to um, get concessions, right? And and as we've talked about before with with the Republican Party kind of being controlled opposition when it comes to a lot of these things, their starting point isn't $0, right? It literally the the, the correct position is $0. It's not negotiable. Um but hey, right? Whatever. So they'll meet somewhere in the middle, and they'll say, "Hey, look how hard we fought to get it down from three point two trillion dollars." And then people will go, "Oh my gosh, you guys are so great!" Um, but then they'll give, you know, they'll print another one point seven trillion dollars. Um, A couple other things, I'm sure you guys. Well, maybe not. But uh, another thing that was going on was that the uh, IRS they that in this bill, which I think Justin Amash or maybe it was Thomas Massey, one of those two on Twitter brought up a pretty good point that our federal government has almost gotten to the point now where um, there's just one bill, right? They, they do one bill a year, uh, and it ha- it's just going to have everything in it um, because that's, that's to the point now um, where they are. And and what that will also do is is it will allow basically everybody to get almost everything they want uh, it's the whole, well, we need to pass it to see what's in it kind of thing, right? It's going to be 4,000 pages and it's going to be $5 trillion or whatever. And they're going to be like, oh man, well, we had to pass it to see, you know, to see what was in it. Um, uh, but I think that was a pretty good observation that we're almost at that point. But one of the things that was going to be in there, um, is this whole, you guys may be familiar with this whole tax the rich, right? Like, well, I mean, not like we haven't talked about that in the past, but, uh, they're wanting to pass all of these um, wealth taxes on the rich. the The latest one, which I guess is, has been taken out now, uh, but it was on unrealized gains. And maybe, maybe next, maybe I'll talk about that a little bit. Kind of what that what that means. Well, it's not that relevant if it didn't if it didn't get in there. Uh, essentially think about it like this, right? Something that you have is worth $1,000. It goes to $5,000. And then it goes back to 1500 bucks. You would still have to potentially pay taxes on the unrealized gains that you didn't actually get to take profit on. And, and so that was, there was a lot of pushback on that. Um, but the big one was the, um, $600, right? They were talking about, the six hundred dollars uh, that the IRS was going to keep track of. So if you made any ins and outs of that kind of thing in your bank accounts, that was six hundred dollars or more, uh, it was going to the IRS was going to have it on record. Now whether or not they were going to look at it or whatever. Um, now they did want to allocate more resources to the IRS, which you know if 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 you're talking about me from from an anarchist perspective, IRS is probably top five worst. I mean, probably like the Fed. The Fed's there, um, and then probably, it, probably the CIA. Is, is right up there, but man, the IRS has got to be top three, right, to, to just get rid of completely, and they're talking about wanting to give them more money, but they were talking about, you know, oh, 600 bucks, it's going to help us catch those ta- those billionaire tax cheats, right, and then, of course, all the the, the midwits and stuff on social media are, 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 are like, oh, yeah, well, no, it's it's got to be in there, because it's going to help catch billionaire tax cheats, and it's like, what billionaire is tra- is keeping track of a six hundred dollar transaction? You know who it is gonna hurt? It's gonna hurt gig workers. It's gonna hurt people that are that do work underneath the table, right? That just get checks from people um, for doing I don't know yard work or house cleaning or whatever. It's gonna be those are the people that that stuff like that's gonna hurt. So now they've now they've bumped it to ten thousand dollars, right? Uh, because oh well, it was it was about ta- you know catching the billionaire at first, um, and then they get pushback on it, you know, and that kind of thing. Like we talked about uh, in the episode about the new, new green, new deal. I might have one, one too many news in there, but they were just testing the waters, right? Let's test the waters at 600 bucks. Oh, we got a lot of pushback. All right, let's, let's change that up a little bit. And so they, they changed that. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that's that's going on out there. Um, but what I wanted to do on today's episode um, is I wanted to talk about, and, and I know I've mentioned on the show before about how Twitter and social media and stuff like that is not real life, right? I get it. The ma- Well, I don't want to say the majority, but a lot of people that are on these platforms are not normal people, right? They're going to be, extreme ends one one way or the other but i got in an engagement um with with a person uh today who this is in discussions as far as like the the billionaire taxes and and that kind of thing um and and there are a lot of people that i do believe have this mentality and we're talking about and we was talking about taxing uh you know, the billionaires and, and that kind of stuff. And and what we're talking about, what we were essentially talking about was um, people like Elon Musk, um, who, by the way, did get tons and tons of government money to get where he's at. Um, so while he might be pushing back on a lot of, of government stuff now, uh, he did get where he is because of government, government money. Now, I'm all about, you know, hey, Better you push back now than never. And so, you know, I'll, I'll consider it a small win. But, but you know, that, that did get in there. Uh, you know, that was kind of a point of it. Um, but one of the things, though, and, and, and he brought up, we were talking about that. And we were talking about innovation, right? Because the, this person's thought process was um, that billionaires and rich people and business owners, um, they – well, I'll just read it. He says they innovate because they love it. They mostly do it when they were starting up and they would think, well, I don't want to create great stuff because I won't be excessively rich, only very rich. And if with more redistribution, more people will have a chance to try. And then after that, he says, you need lots of time of your life invested in. And during that time, you should not be worried about constantly working hard to make ends meet. What you claim is incredibly out of touch. Now... If you have small ears in the room, then I'm I'm sorry for. Well, I mean it's not that really that bad. That guy can go to hell, right? That guy has he can go to hell. He 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 is an asshole for talking like that, and 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 I'll t- and I'll explain why. So I'm in the process right now of launching a new business, um, and and so it's going to be a hot sauce business, which is an acidified food. So. Um, you know, I have a lot of things that I have to go through. What this guy wants, right? What this guy wants is is he wants to live a comfortable life or maybe better than comfortable, right? Well to do or whatever. But he doesn't want to do what business owners have to do, right? He doesn't want to put in extra effort. He doesn't want to put himself in a position where he takes on unnecessary risk, right? He doesn't want to put himself in a position where he has to take out a second mortgage or he has to spend time to invest in learning additional skills. He wants all of the benefits of innovation, right, of, of being able to create value that increases one's wealth with zero of the drawbacks. And that is bullshit. And I say that as somebody who is currently working right working full time raising a family with two small kids and trying to launch a business and and that type of mentality is just awful and if you have that type of a mentality and you're listening to this show then you have to change it you don't get your cake and eat it too right you don't get both ways if if you want to not take on extra risk if you do not want to extend um, efforts beyond your reach, if you don't want to have to consider and, and, and learn new skills to provide additional innovations to something, whatever it might be, um, then you know what you're going to do? You are going to trade your most valuable resource, which is time, right? Because we all have a limited amount of time, and you are going to trade that for a wage that you find is appropriate. And millions and millions of people, I mean, billions of people in this world do that, right? But you don't get to say, I want all of these benefits of the people who do this without having to do that. Um, and and so that really got me going, uh, really started driving me crazy. And so what I wanted to do is just to explain to you how much... And why government, right, as, as, a, as a federal government and, and some state government stuff as well, why they do not like you, they may even hate you as a small business owner. And you, as a small business owner, are essentially the enemy of a large government, right? Um, and, and I'll explain what I mean by that is, is that when you are a small business owner, and you are providing for your family, you are providing for your community, Um, the government has nothing to gain with you, right, relative to a large business. Uh, And if you think about the way the lockdowns have worked, uh, you know, a lot of your small retail shops were closed. Um, A lot of them had to modify uh, how they operated. Whereas a lot of your big box stores and things like that didn't, you know, they didn't have to do a lot of that. And it's, and it's for several reasons. Um, you know, for one, you're, you're not dependent on them, right? If, if you're a relatively successful small business, you can provide for your family and your community and contribute to society without reliance on them. You're not requiring money from them. You're not requiring services from them, that kind of thing. The second part of it is, is you're not spending money on them, right? You're not donating to tons of campaigns. You're not paying large lobbying firms with tens of millions of dollars to wine and dine politicians to get favors and that kind of thing. Um, You know, you're not involved in that. What you're basically doing is, is you're living, you know, your life and they're not a part of it and they don't like that. And the third one, and I think this one is a is a major one because I think a lot of times we see this especially at the at the federal government level is is you're not offering any of them a cushy post government half a million dollar a year salaried position on a board, an executive board somewhere, right? You're not uh, a former three-star general that's being offered a board executive position at Boeing that pays a half a million dollars, or at Lockheed Martin, or at Raytheon. You know, you're not—they're not—you're not offering them anything. And so, what do they care about your business? They don't care. Because of those three reasons, you're essentially irrelevant to them. And so what they do is, is they create all of these additional hurdles and all of these additional roadblocks to really be able to help you. Now, again, right, a lot of the double speak and stuff like that that goes on where it's like, oh, you know, small businesses are the, the backbone of this economy and the backbone of this country and blah, 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 blah. They don't care about any of that. I don't care about it. You're a small business owner. The only thing that you're doing as a small business owner... Is you're not rioting, right? Because at the end of the day, the one thing they don't want to do is they don't want you rioting and burning down a bunch of stuff, or you know, at least not their stuff. And that's why now they've basically made the the capital into a fortress, uh, because you know that that insurrection on on January 2, on January six, which was you know, depending upon who you ask, it was worse than nine eleven or whatever. You know, all those buffoons that. You know, rushed into the Capitol building and took Nancy Pelosi's laptop or whatever. Uh, but they don't care about you, right? You're you're irrelevant to them. You're not you're not helpful. And they don't care. They don't really care about you. And so, what I wanted to do is, and especially relative to that, and 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 with this with this guy from from Twitter, is kind of explain to you as a small business owner what we have to go through to be able to even launch. A business, right? And, and the, the types of hurdles that we have and how when people are talking about um, all of these regulations, right? All of these regulations, they're meant to help the consumer and they're meant to help these people and they're meant to do good for this, right? Because it's the right thing to do. The biggest thing that they do is they keep poor people out you know, they keep poor people out of being able to start up their own business and, quote unquote, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. You know why? Because they can't afford it. Because starting a business is expensive. It's not only expensive, but it's also time consuming. And so a lot of the the, the, the people um, who would be amazing entrepreneurs they have to go underground right they're doing cash businesses and stuff which to be honest i'm perfectly fine with because if you if you want to operate a cash only business and that way therefore you're kind of like more of an agorist where you're operating outside of the scope of the government and the irs and all that more power to you man that's that is awesome i mean i i admire that That, i think that's i think that's great i mean rock on um but we're not going to talk about you because for purposes of this show then you're not very helpful and, and then i'd have to call the show over uh right now and so so to give you a heads up uh uh, as somebody who is starting um a hot sauce business um what you have to do is you you start off by reaching out to um the fda which is the food and drug administration and also to your state um department of agriculture now to give you a heads up um and and this is something that was reiterated to me multiple times uh, you know, by the bureaucracy and that kind of thing, that um, Tennessee is a very fr- business-friendly state, uh, you know, as far as small businesses go. Um, and it's true. I mean, it's not number one, um, but I think it's like somewhere between, depending upon what you list you look at, it's like 10 to 15, you know, or, or something along those lines. And so if you're wanting to start up a small business, um, in Tennessee, you know, friendliness for that purpose, it, it ranks somewhere in, in that neighborhood of, of 10 to 15. Um, but what you start off, and, and again, this is my experience as far as working with, um, you know, hot sauce in, in the state of Tennessee, is that you you talk to the FDA, and then you talk to the Department of Agriculture, and the Department of Agriculture essentially sends you a checklist, right? You have a checklist, and you have to do these 10 12 things, or whatever it is, And then you submit them and then, you know, then the process or or whatever goes, you know, goes from there. And so I have been working on this for six months. I mean, it's been six months, uh, you know, trying to navigate all of this and and kind of getting closer to the end. And so when you start going through this checklist, um, the first thing that you notice is, is that at least in Tennessee and when it comes to hot sauce, cottage laws do not apply right? Cottage law is essentially saying that you can make the product that you're selling out of your home. Okay. So then what do you do, right? I can't, I can't make hot sauce and sell it out of my own house. So what do I have to do? Oh, well, you have to go to a, an approved commercial kitchen. Um, and then you have to cook your sauce, your product in that kitchen. And then that is allowed to be sold, you know, for, for commercial purposes. All right. So, so how does that work? Well, here's a list of five of them in Nashville. Well, three of them weren't taking new customers. Fortunately, one of them was, was relatively new and, and relatively uh, as far as, um, fresh, as far as, you know, the business goes. And so they were accepting new clients, but right out of the gate, right? If all five of them, you couldn't get in, guess what? You're screwed right off the bat and there's nothing you can do. Oh, well, uh, oh, sure. Why don't you just go ahead and open up your own kitchen and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars opening, opening up a, opening up a kitchen. Sorry, you know, so right out of the gate, you're already at a disadvantage. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to find a kitchen and, and, and the people there are, are great. Um, and then, so you start working out some of the distribution. All right. So the kitchen alone, right? It's it's a hundred uh, um, and fifty dollar non refundable deposit, and that kind of is your consultation fee too. So they walk you through the kitchen and tell you how to use the equipment and so on and so forth. And then there's a hundred and fifty dollar refundable deposit. Um, I don't know exactly. Like I guess maybe you just stop and then they give you your money back. Um, and then it and then you pay by the hour, right? And so it's it's like twenty dollars an hour for up to twenty. It's by month. You know, I won't. I'll save you some of the details, but. It, Let's just say before you ever even are able to make a single product, you're three hundred bucks in the hole, right? And so think about that person who's making thirty grand a year or whatever it is, right? Three hundred bucks just for kitchen fees sucks. That's a lot of money. No, you know people can't just pull that, you know, pull that out of their pocket. Um, And so then there's some associated paperwork and stuff like that 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 goes along with it. Okay, all right, we got that three hundred bucks out of the way. That's done. You know, we, we we've got the kitchen part taken care of. All right. All right. Department of Agriculture. What's next? Oh, well, there's this course that you have to take. Um, OK, well, what's what's it called? Well, it's called Better Processing School. All right. So what is that? Well, it's this course that basically says that you have the ability to be able to produce a, a, an acidified food and you understand what an acidified food is in the state of Tennessee. OK, well, let's see. What is that? Oh, well, it's done through the university. It's 400 bucks. Wait, what? A $400 class, right, that teaches you uh, food safety, right? It's better, pro- better processes is, is, is kind of what they call it. And so you're like, all right, well, maybe I'll get some information out of it. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't get any information out of it. It's just a technical part of the process. You log in, all of them are recorded, and maybe it's better if you hear it in person. But there are, all these courses are all recorded, and then there's a quiz at the end, right? Well, the people that are doing the presentations, all right, think about it like this. If you remember college, think about, like, the worst class that you ever had. Right. It, think about the worst class that you had in college. My guess is, is I'm about to describe you what it was. You go in, the professor reads PowerPoints. That's it, right? And then you get quizzed on the PowerPoints. That's it. That, that's exactly what it is. But the the two worst parts about it was is is well, I guess there were three bad parts about it. One, people would ask questions. You couldn't hear the questions, right? The other part of it is, is that they didn't write the material. And so there are lessons where this person is talking and they're like... Well, I don't know why they would include that on there. I've never seen that or heard of that before and blah, 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 blah. And then, all right, let's move on. And you're like, why are you – this is awful. And then the third part about it was is that the quizzes were only on highlighted pieces. And so you just scroll through these this presentation and everything that's going to be on the quiz is just highlighted. And so all you have to do is, is just write down all the highlighted parts and then you pass the quiz. And that's it. $400. And now – my other complaint is is that and, and I man, I really didn't mean for this to kind of be a rant. I hope you guys are getting something out of this. I apologize if you're not. I don't I don't mean for this to come off as, as a rant. I'm kind of more trying to show you the the, the, the absolute joke of bureaucracy that it that it can really kinda of come out to be um in terms of um in terms of kind of just trying to start your own business and, and that kind of thing. Um but the other issue that I ended up having with it was um is that, you know, again, it's 400 bucks. And the only part of it that was really relevant for me was like the first chapter that really just talked about acidified foods where you learn about temperatures and pH levels and um, and that kind of thing. And so the rest of it was was actually pretty irrelevant overall, um, you know, and so you go through these 14 or 15 lessons. But again, you're talking about uh, a situation where you're trying to learn about... about you know this class and you're trying to learn about all this product and you're not really learning anything and so now if you're keeping track right our tally is now up to $700 so we spent $300 for the for the kitchen and $400 for the course that was not really that helpful okay all right but we got our course done okay what's next all right well next piece of it is is now you have to have all of your sauces approved by a lab okay well what's what does that look like well you have to make three different batches of these sauces and then you have to submit them to this lab where they run ph tests and they run water activity levels on them to make sure that you meet certain thresholds okay well what does that look like two hundred dollars a sauce Okay, what do you mean $200 a sauce? Well, you pay $200 or maybe slightly less or slightly more, depending upon where you go, um, to have your sauces essentially approved by this you know, lab uh, to meet certain criteria and certain thresholds to be approved for commercial production. And so in, in my situation, I'm starting off with uh, five, five sauces and, and a sixth one as a seasonal so we'll just say it's $1,000, right? $1,000 to get these sauces approved by this lab. So now, if you're keeping track at home, we are $1,700 in, and we have yet to be able to sell a single sauce, right? $1,700, yet to have a single sauce. We don't have any inventory. We haven't bought any materials. We haven't bought anything like that. Um, okay, so we've got that. And so what would be next kind of on our list? Well, Let's see. You have to be registered in the state of Tennessee. So, okay. So then let's see. We're getting registered in the state of Tennessee. Where do I go to do that? All right. Well, you got to go hop over here on the website and register for this and that. Okay. All right. Well, let's go do that. Let's see. What's the fee for? $300. $300 to register your business in the state of Tennessee. Wow. Isn't that awesome, man? All right. So now if you're keeping track at home, we're up to $2,000 in the state of Tennessee to be able to register the acidified food business um, before we ever even get to sell a, a single sauce. And now there's other miscellaneous costs and fees and stuff too that we ended up having to do. So for example. Um, you also have to have a process letter, right? So this process letter has to be basically a letter from the lab that says, "Oh, well, this person's not going to kill anybody by by eating their, you know, this person's sauces and that kind of thing." Okay, so what's that? Well, that's 150 bucks because you're paying for it by the hour, you know, to be able to do all this kind of thing. Um, and so these are just the things that you end up having to pay for, and so you're over two thousand dollars, you know, just by trying to get some of these these fees in, um, and then you also have to um, submit one by one on the FDA's website, right? All of them to, to to fill out your process, right? You have to put in what your process is, what your ingredients are. Um, I had mine rejected three times. Because certain values and certain numbers and stuff like that didn't line up and didn't add up. Now, to give them a little bit of credit, the person that was from the FDA actually was relatively helpful in terms of getting back to me kind of quickly and, and that kind of thing, which is fine. Um, but the idea that I end up having to do that to begin with is, is just ridiculous. Um, And then you have to have all of this stuff on file, right? So everything has to be printed off and held into a folder. And then the last part of it, and and I'm missing some of the additional paperwork, things like um, kitchen surveys of where you cook questionnaires, um, there's also things that you have to do. You have to submit all of your labels. You have to submit all of your labeling to be approved. You have to um, have all of your ingredient lists approved. Everything that you order, that you buy, that's fresh has to have meet certain criteria. So you can't just grow peppers in your backyard and use those. They have to meet certain garden threshold certifications. You know, certificates, all of all of that kind of stuff. All of that stuff, right, creates headache. I mean, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of hours and and i have not you know and up to that point right you haven't bought any bottles you haven't made anything to sell yet you haven't put labels on anything yet so you're at this threshold in this point where you haven't been able to do any of that and then the final stage of it is um, is that somebody from the department of agriculture has to come out and they have to observe you right and this is the stage that i'm at now where they have to come out and they have to observe you Go through one of your processes and essentially make one of your sauces, and then uh, and then they mark off you know whether or not that you're approved. the pro- The problem with that is, is they work normal business hours. The latest appointment that you can get is like two o'clock in the afternoon. And so, if somebody who has a normal job, you have to take off a day of work to be able to to go in there and have them observe you. And so, if you're a person that's in a situation where you don't have that ability, again, right, you're screwed. I mean, you're literally fought at every single step along the way um, to prevent you from literally being able to do this and and the biggest question that people normally say is is well isn't that good you know isn't it good that the process is very thorough um, to make sure that your products are safe and you know and all of this kind of stuff and to that i say no and the reason for that is, is, is because none of that is really counting the time that I'm putting into developing recipes. The stuff that I'm – like if you see, you know, if you're watching the YouTube, I've got a couple of sauces that are kind of fermenting right up here. Now, I'm not going to be able to sell these, but I can give them away. But these are experiments, right? This is this is time in testing things and doing – test markets and and going through trying to find bottling companies and labeling companies and all of that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, when you put that kind of time and effort into a product, the last thing that you're going to do or want to do is get somebody sick, right? Because all it takes is, is having somebody get sick early on in your product and you're done. Like you're done for because no one's going to want to buy your stuff if it's getting people sick. And so, um, all of that is is to kind of say, you know, when it comes down to it as a small business owner, you have a lot of trouble meeting a lot of these thresholds, um, and at the end of the day, they don't care right? They don't care because you're not contributing anything um you know to them and so it's it's something to think about um when it when it comes to if you want to start your own business um and and I must say it's been very it's a very rewarding process. Uh, you really learn a lot. Things like logistics, sales. I mean, there's a lot of really great things. I'm terrible at WordPress. <laughs> you know, building a website is not easy. Uh, you know, but it's it's just one of those things that, that the process has been very fulfilling um, and really being able to kind of see um, an end product and and the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, and so. That's kind of the show for today. Again, I wanted to give you guys some insight, especially after reading some tweets from somebody who, and I asked him, I go, have you ever created anything? Have you ever innovated anything? Uh, And of course the answer is no, because a lot of times when people have that mindset, um, they don't really think about the implications of really what goes into trying to build something up from scratch and the level of risk that you take and the amount of effort that you put into it, uh, you know, to, to try to make it successful and to make it good. Um, but, uh, but we're almost there, right? We're almost there. I've been fortunate enough to, and blessed enough to be in a position to where as much as I don't want to spend $2,000 to get something off the ground, um, you know, that I, I do have at least some of the ability to, to be able to, uh, the ability to be able to do so, um, mm-hmm. And so again, I hope that didn't come off as ranty. I'm sure it probably did, and I'm sure some people will probably complain about that. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. And if you're looking at interested in, in in starting your own business, I, I highly recommend it. It is a like I said, a very fulfilling process, and, and I do love doing it. So, uh, but we'll talk again soon. All right, bye.